Welcome back. We are back doing some comic countdowns. As always, it's Pat. And Sean. Um, before we get into our comic countdown, any kind of comic book news you got going? Anything you've heard, read, saw? No, not really. Not, nothing aside from like all the new Marvel Disney Plus announcements that we yeah. never even really dove into, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on with Did that. Did you see the fucking the Blade mock-up no when does that drop i don't know if it's all right it might not be real but they have i think it's i'm gonna hope i'm pronouncing this right i think it's mahershala ali okay is playing blade who's just the he's basically modern wesley snipes nice it's just like he has like the same vibe and i feel like he can pull off the same hairdo but also just pay his taxes as well (laughs) and not go completely insane which fingers crossed speaking of small sidebar uh so there's always been a huge rumor that on blade three that wesley snipes was absolutely impossible to deal with that he insisted to stay in blade character during the entirety of shooting that um he made everyone call him blade and there were times that they had to use body doubles and they increased Ryan Reynolds' role in the movie. Uh, like, they basically doubled the amount he was going to be in there because it was just easier to work with him than Blade or Wesley Snipes. Right. Um, but he, his sentence came out and refuted this, saying that – because it all started from Patton Oswalt. Oh, was he's, he? he's in that one? He's in that movie, and he was doing an interview, and he's like – they're like, oh, what was it like working with Wesley Snipes? And he was like, he was fucking insane. <laughs> and I honestly got to believe – Pat Oswalt. Oh, yeah. I want to hear that interview. Pat Oswalt's probably my favorite stand-up comedian, so and I would love to hear that. I feel like he just... There's zero to gain on his part about lying. Yeah. Um, but it, Wesley Snipes has come out and said that he was not acting crazy, which we, is something a complete crazy I person see would Wesley, definitely do. Wesley Snipes' box. Pat Oswalt? <laughs> that would be the sickest throw fight fists, ever. Throw bows. Who do you got, Wesley? I definitely have Wesley Snipes. <laughs> I'm going to... I mean, he I would, did some jail time. He was lifting them weights. I would love to He's just ready. see uh, Pat Oswald come out like a shorter Butterbean style, like with the drawers. Maybe. Like his shorts just all the way up to like his belly button, <laughs> just ready to fight. Yeah. I think Pat Oswald would even admit he probably hasn't been in a lot of fist fights. Yeah. He doesn't look like a real uh, scrapper. Not to a scrapper. Um, but the other thing, but they, yeah, they posted a picture of Mahershala Ali in like a mock up. Very easily could have been a fake one online, but it got sent to me twice on Instagram, so I had to at least bring it up because so excited for Blade, dude. Yeah. I think Blade's probably one of my favorite Marvel heroes. They just put the the original one on HBO Go. I think I'm going to give it a watch. Oh, really? Uh, uh, yeah, full disclosure. Never seen any of the Blade movies. Really? I've seen like, bits and pieces of them, but never sat down and watched the them. The first two are great. The first one is great just because it's – I think it might be one of the earliest – like kind of real marvel movies right um and it was also just a good movie it was cool because blade's like in the marvel universe as a hero but it's also something that could be completely standalone because everyone gets vampires there's not superpowers really like the superpowers are vampirism right which everyone has this preconceived understanding of because you've seen a million vampire movies um and then the second one was directed by guillermo del toro Oh, okay. So I know that people really like the second one, and that, that yeah. explains a lot. For yeah, sure. it, the third one just goes off the rails, and I forget. It's a well-known director who did it, but it's just someone that you're like. It's like 
not Brian Singer, like it, Brent Radner or something. Yeah, it almost seems like one of those type of guys that directed Blade Three and Wesley Snipes just went insane during it. Oof, I can only imagine. What but, uh, you got? Any shows you're looking forward to? I'm looking, the... I was just about to say I'm really looking forward to WandaVision. I just want to see what they're going to do with that. I'm super. I think it's going to be super good. It's supposed because be... they're not saying a lot about it, and I think that's like that's going to be excited about. I it. I think the show is going to have a lot more importance to the entirety of Marvel Phase Four. Yeah. Than anyone realizes, because I think this is going to have, I think during it somehow, she's going to have a House of M where, like, the No More Mutants type thing that was her big line in House of M. I think it's obviously not going to be that, but I think there's going to be something that she says or does that fractures, like, all of reality and just kind of creates this multiverse or lets people know about multiverse and then also just changes the forefront of like where heroes are coming from and shit like that. Cause they're just, they're adding so many that I don't know how they're going to explain all of it. Yeah. So like, that, so the show would be a good anchor point. Almost. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's when you bring in the X-Men and fantastic four, those characters were created before a lot of the ones we have now. And just being like, Oh, hey, and while Thanos was attacking, there was a school full of people that all had superpowers that were being trained by a dude in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, you have to have some weird, why didn't they help during the, like, 12 battles on Earth that killed, one one of them killed half the population of the planet. Yeah. They weren't like, I don't think it's time to step up yet. If it was three-fourths. I would have came knocking. Hey, Marvel, you got some splaining to do. Yeah, but <laughs> it is cool because we actually talk about one of the new Marvel properties they said they're bringing to light that's going to be directed by the same director as Spider-Man. Sam Raimi? Not Sam Raimi, from the new Spider-Man. Um, oh, the newest with, with um, Tom Holland. With Tom Holland, okay. Yeah, so he is going to be directing Fantastic Four, which they finally released. Or officially said that they're going to do. But, um, yeah, so that book is actually coming up in here. I had to look the director up, but it's John Watts. Okay. Yeah, so John Watts is going to be doing the new um, Fantastic Four movie. So I'm super hyped about that because I want to see a good Fantastic Four. Yeah, we we, we all deserve it. And uh, also going to make an appearance on this countdown, Fantastic Four. That's Very what I'm exciting. saying. So, and we're going to dive right into it, Jump folks. it in. Let's do it. All right, at number 52, we have The Yellow Kid in McFadden's Flats. So definitely not a comic I knew about, um, but it comes from what they consider the Victorian era. So I'm guessing that's anything pre-1900. Yeah, and this just makes the the mark there. I think it's 1897. Yeah, it's like great, but I don't think, honestly, even with this, they kind of explained that in the article that it wasn't necessarily a comic in the way we kind of look at comics. I feel like it was a very rudimentary, a strip, a strip from newspaper. But the crazy part about it was it was originally printed in the New York world. And then basically started getting popular and was essentially stolen by, what was it? The well, New York journal. journal? Yeah, yeah. William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. So yeah. What, it was, and it ended up becoming a uh, battle between William Randolph Hearst and fucking Pulitzer himself, dude. <laughs> and see, we were talking about this before off air that 
they say that this is kind of the beginning of that yellow news. Is it yellow news? Yellow journalism. Yellow journalism, which I always just equated as lying. But I'm wondering if it kind of has more to do with like the way you're getting things in like a sleazy kind of way. The and, way the headlines are generated. Yeah, yeah. Way, way things are explained to people. But, I mean, honestly, I've never heard of the yellow kid. Right. Yeah. I feel like maybe I should have. The drawing looks kind of familiar. The sketch of the kids in like a night shirt and a little like almost like a dunce cap, right? Yeah, but it also almost feels like this, the yellow kid image was probably used in like a fucking Smashing Pumpkins album art <laughs> logo or something. Or in the liner notes. Yeah. yeah, like it, honestly, I was never a big comic strip person. I fucking, the only comic strip I ever kind of cared about was Spider-Man. And I'm pissed every time I'm reading it because you get about four blocks so I literally get Spider-Man like walking outside the door and then they're like, wait till next Sunday to get yeah. more. And you're like, well, fuck that, dude. Let me just go get a real comic book that, at this point. That drove me crazy. I would I, I wouldn't have the patience for it. No, I who in the world has the patience to wait? Uh, you're getting about one comic book, maybe in an entire year. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, well, he beat the rhino. One didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> like even the most minor villain in the newspaper, Spider-Man lasted for like six months <laughs> it just to be like a burglar at a bank but this is a really cool story behind this yellow kid and the fact that you get the term yellow journalism from this whole uh yeah. beef between hearst and i Pulitzer. almost feel like one it having those two involved because william randolph hearst was like was he a notorious like yeah so the thing with him you know the movie citizen kane okay uh, orson welles's character is based off william randolph hearst gotcha so and he was like a Huge, you know, media mogul. You know, he he was like an OG meat because yeah, he, he started from the ground up, basically. Well, and back then too, all you had was was radio around, and you pretty much yeah. only had newspaper. That's where you got the bulk of your news. I mean, yeah, that was it was big time. Yeah, so, so it's like at that time, newspapers were fuck. If you owned a newspaper, you were fucking balling in it. I feel yeah. like I mean, he's one of. I mean, he was. I think he was one of the richest men in America at one point. So, yeah, very interesting story. And I believe this is the first comic to show up on our countdown pre-1900. So yeah, I don't cool. think we've had anything quite this old. I was just kind of blown away when I read the Pulitzer name in it. Yes. Because, like, we were saying, I don't I don't really consider, like, when you hear the prize, like, the Pulitzer Prize, I almost felt like they just made the name up. Or it was just a long-ass, like, acronym for something. <laughs> but they're like, no, nah, it's just a person. It's a real guy. Um, from there, let's move on to something I think we all know about. That is the Brave and the Bold number 28, a.k.a. the first appearance of the Justice League of America. JLA, baby. Woo! Um, I mean, I was saying earlier, I think this one always kind of was interesting to me because it doesn't necessarily have Batman and Superman, at least even on the front. Um... So it was kind of a team of misfits. A crazy part about this that I didn't realize, though, was they were trying to create these superhero teams and trying to get more, like, groups together because they felt like that was going to be the thing that sold. I didn't know that Suicide Squad technically came out before the Justice League. Yeah. And then kind of failed miserably. Was that part of the Brave and the Bold series? It was, yeah. So there was a Brave and the Bold suicide squad that ran for three consecutive uh comics that just never popped off which also at the time though i feel like in what 1960 this is yeah oh this came out in 60 yeah 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 
Well, this was leading up to, I think Suicide Squad was like 50s. Yeah. So Suicide Squad was in, they were saying like in 55 or whatever. And, or Suicide Squad was 59. This came out in 60. But 59, I feel like it's super early for a team called Suicide Squad. I was just about to say, I can't believe they got away with that back then. Yeah. Like that's when Comics Code was for sure fucking cracking down. And to have a team called the Suicide Squad was a bold... (laughs) To go from Suicide Squad to Justice League of America, that's the ultimate rebranding. Yeah. Because I want to know who was in – I'm interested to find out who was in the OG Suicide Squad. That's a good homework project. We'll to I was going to say, because I'm guessing it probably wasn't – the iteration we have today is Suicide Squad's all villains that are basically put into indentured servitude to fucking fight and do whatever – you know, Amanda Waller wants. Yeah. But I feel like back then it would have been insane to be, have a all led villains book, especially being your first team up book. But, um, what's your favorite iteration of JLA? Um, the Zack Snyder movie. Uh, that's going to be kind of lower for me. I like the cart, the cart to the original cartoon was good. OG. No, not the one from the seventies. There well, was, one yeah, th- that was, that was cool though. I liked it. You know, uh, I'll be honest. I can never get into like the campiness of any of like the seventies, sixties stuff. Yeah. Like Batman. And then a lot of the cartoons, it's just way too just bare bones for me mm-hmm. and just choppy. And then you have like such goofy shit always going on. Yeah. Like, Magneto drives a fucking car in it. Well, I like what, whatever JLA they did, the animated version where John Stewart Green Lantern's there because that, that that's that's a really I think that what is that like two thousands mid two thousand that was probably 2000s. like early two thousands. I liked the um, I was a big fan of Justice League Unlimited. I think that yeah yeah is Hawk Girl in that one? I think no? Hawk Girl's in the original Justice League ones too. The first series though. I know what you're talking about. I was watching on Netflix when it was on there. Yeah, because I was going to say, the first series is mostly just the core team. Yeah. And then they were like, we have a million characters. Let's just go for it. Right. And they did. And you get a bunch of cool team-ups and, like, weird little things happening. Like, they have a Suicide Squad episode on the JLA, or Justice League Unlimited, but I think they end up calling them Task Force X. Okay. Which is always their, like, code name for... Nowadays, you really can't say suicide squad people are kind of like still yeah. a little cringy on well, it it'll get an r rating for sure yeah yeah but so now they just use task force x for like cartoons and this original jla just so everyone knows, it was what green lantern flash aquaman wonder woman and martian manhunter correct? yeah so you have uh barry allen flash hal jordan green lantern so those were both characters that were relatively new that for the silver age for yeah. the, that they revamped from golden age to silver age to kind of have more of like a modern day presence because I feel like both their old characters were fucking. That was just a society of America. <laughs> yeah, we're a league now. Oh yeah, and like this this book really kind of uh, started you know um, propelling these new revamped Silver Age characters, Green Lantern, Flash, you know, kind of in the forefront because this was a popular book. Yeah, and then it also made people like um, Aquaman and Martian Manhunter, who were both new at the time. Yeah, kind of gave them some more room to grow. And then you do have the one Golden Age crossover, which is Wonder Woman. Yeah. And it, I think that's a good combo of people to just kind of have, because when you do add Batman and Superman into the Justice League, it becomes super bogged down because they're both just, they're such big players that that's all people pay attention to. Yeah. And they have their own books, two of those books. I mean, 
Batman and Superman at the time had to have been the best-selling comics for DC. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're doing fine on their own. You know, let the JLA do their thing. But it's fun with them being in there. I agree. It's always one of those things to me that I love JLA stories that are just more random offshoot characters where it's like Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Like, Mm -hmm. random shit like that. Yeah. Because you get more dynamic amongst people where when you do have that Superman-Batman, those just take over as, like, the leading personalities. And it's kind of like all people start listening to. Yeah. All right. We are going to move on to number 50, though. We are now officially hitting the top 50. With number 50 comes the one and only <laughs> Gene Autre. <laughs> um, Gene Autre, Western comic. Basically, from my reading of it, dude was started playing guitar at 12, gets found by... My main man, uh, fuck. I don't remember. Will something? Oh, it's um, Will Rogers. Will Rogers, yeah. Classic Will Rogers find. <laughs> Shout out uh, Coach Urbis. <laughs> Loves Will Rogers quotes. But uh, yeah, he started playing guitar at 12, and then Will Rogers hears him, and he's like, you should try out for the radio. <laughs> so this dude goes and fucking plays on the radio, apparently gets a huge record deal, he, what was it, 1940, 1941? Uh, the single? Yeah, his single. Oh, 1931, he drops his first single uh, with the boldest title ever, That Silver-Haired Daddy of Mine, <laughs> which now, I feel like has a much weirder connotation to it. Yeah. I mean, he, any grown man using the term daddy is usually... I mean, honestly, just what? anyone using... Like, anyone over the age of maybe, like, 10 using the word daddy is just ultra off It just sounds dirty. Like, I need a shower after Yeah, I like, <laughs> I just don't like to... Even, even in, like, a joking way, I'm like, hey, I feel like that's my line. We're not going to be calling anyone dad. I'll call everyone papa. Yeah. But Papa's cool. That's like, you know, that's Pops. a respect. Yeah. I'm not, I would never call someone daddy. <laughs> daddy. Good Lord. Well, it was a hit. Yeah. That silver-haired daddy of mine. That silver-haired daddy of mine. But the big thing about this comic was, yeah, he became this huge star on radio. Then they started moving into the talkie movies, yeah. which I always think is the funniest. They're called talkies now, and you can hear people's voices on them. <laughs> It just is such a, like, so he ends up getting involved in the fucking talkies. He's in, you know, old Santa Fe and a bunch of other fucking yeah. random shows where he just, a singing cowboy. The westerns were big, yeah. And was that, like, a huge craze, like, the singing cowboy? They would always throw in, like, little songs in some of these movies. I think it's Rio Grande or just called Rio or something. It's one of John Wayne's, like, later films. Okay. And there's, like, a... Big scene where they're all kind of sitting around, sipping coffee, I, playing guitar. Yeah, you know? I feel like I would remember a dude on a horse, like, singing guitar, like, a bunch yeah. of times. But I also feel like that's, like, the Mandela effect in life that well, I just they, thought that existed. They bring that theme back and call back to that in other movies and TV shows. Like, the most recent was probably that uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I think it was called. Yep. On Netflix. And that was great with Tim Blake Nelson. Shout out Tim Blake Nelson. I was just say, wasn't that a Coen Brothers where it was yeah, kind they did. of Yeah, the, Coen Brothers did it. Um, fuck. And I'm going to forget the actual way they what it's really called oh it's like vignettes isn't it like just a bunch of random short stories okay cool i i enjoyed it but i felt like 
there were ones that I was just like, dude, this sucks. Yeah, we were, I'm out of we here. We were talking about the other day. Some of them are good, some of them are whatever. And it's hard when you have like a vignette movie like that because you're just like, man, do I just fucking like trudge through? Especially when you're at home watching it, you're like, I just really turn this off or like, <laughs> you're like, is there more to this? But then the next one will like, was will kick ass and you're like, oh, this. I'm glad I didn't change it. Yeah. So Gene Autry, if you like uh, singing cowboys, check him out. Yeah, but. Oh, I was going to say, the big thing with him, he was the first time I think that they were like, oh, dude, you're a huge celebrity. Let's just do everything. Make radio shows, make comic books, do fucking, you know, albums and shit. Everyone just wanted to have, like, a piece of this, dude. Plus, his book goes for, like, 10 grand. Yeah, I saw that. Which I don't really get why. Like, Well, it was the same thing oh. with, with, the, with the Yellow Kid, like... In 1970, it was 10 bucks. Can you imagine buying that in 1970? And now it's, I think that one's worth 10 grand now, too. Yellow kit? Oh, 11 grand. Yeah. So, like, you know, and like, it's because these books have a story behind them. And obviously, the limited amount, number of them being out there and stuff. But it's weird because I wonder if, as people of this time period or people who remember it start to like die off, as horrible as that sounds, do these books kind of get more lost in the wayside or do they still just remain at that, like, mad elusive level it's one of those things i i bet that like it'll still fetch that price but it's going to take you a while to find the to person find someone who wants that it. cares yeah. because here's the thing is like i'd rather have what's all right justice league the first justice league eight grand mm-hmm. gene autry 10 grand i'm definitely buying justice yeah. League, dude because i don't give a fuck about cowboys that just goes to show you just because the most expensive thing doesn't mean it's better or worse it's, and it's like to me it's also what's interesting it's what you like yeah but i guess these did have fucking amazing covers which leads us into number 49 which is again one of our favorite guys who just lives on the top 100 list my man man tarzan um this is single series number 20 tarzan 64 fucking pages Full of color. <laughs> um, the thing with this one, I think it's basically the first time that we got a Tarzan comic that the art inside it resembled the actual really cool paintings that were on the cover of the books. Yeah. Because I never really realized that Tarzan was in books before comics. Because, again, I don't care about Tarzan Yeah. This is a recurring theme. Yeah, on that show. no one really <laughs> should care about Tarzan that much because it's a very like bland kind of story. But at the time, Tarzan and Popeye, or no, it was just Tarzan was like one of the biggest heroes of like that era, and everyone used to see the covers of the books. And I think when you see an image of it, Tarzan seems like a very visual thing. That like reading it, you're like, oh, I can imagine it, but. If you've never, especially in nineteen fucking twenty, you don't have, you didn't watch a video of the rainforest, and then we're like, oh yeah, I totally understand what they're talking about. <laughs> like when they're like, oh, he's in this giant jungle. You're like, oh, I know what like the trees look like outside my house. Is it same? Yeah. And they're like, no, it's completely fucked. So you have such an like, you don't know what to think necessarily. And when you get the imaging to match like in a whole comic to what that front cover was. People are like blown the fuck away. Yeah. So the cover or the the book itself was uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and this name was pretty synonymous with influencing a lot of these golden age uh, artists. One of the big names being Jerry Siegel, who yeah. helped create Superman. And, and it does kind of have that vibe of it. 
Yeah, if you go back and ask these these old golden age artists, they'll they'll tell you that this book had a, a big big influence on them. So and 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 Edgar Rice Burroughs is in general all his work. So do you think Edgar Rice Burroughs was related to William S. Burroughs? It's possible. I I think the whole Burroughs last name just sounds good with the three yeah the three it, namer. Dude, it's a fucking dope name to have. For, and he was a, an author too, right? Yeah, because I think he did a bunch of like controversial books. Like, didn't he do Naked Lunch or something like that? I just I know the name. Yeah, that's I what I was gonna say. I feel like it's something someone much smarter than me was reading at one point, <laughs> and I was like, "What's that?" And they're like, "It's William S. Burroughs, you fucking illiterate <laughs> idiot." And I'm like, "Oh, that's a book. That's too much for me." It's something about the three name or the middle initial name. Like, just sounds more official, more uh, more regal, more educational. You don't get a lot of people doing a triple name nowadays. You don't see it a lot. You don't see it because it's kind of a gaudy move to yeah. run triple names. You got to have a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger yeah, to pull that off. And you got to have three good ones. I've always liked my three name. I'm Sean Francis Keating. I always thought that kind of rolled off pretty nicely. Patrick Francis Shannon. You're Francis? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Francis yeah. Brothers. Fra- Fran clan. The Fran clan. <laughs> We're in the Fran clan, guys. My mom's told me that it was almost my first name, Francis. Very glad that they went with Sean instead. My cousin also has the same first and middle name as me. Oh, really? Different last names. Interesting. He was born after me, so... He just always wanted to grow up and be like <laughs> me. I think he's a pharmacist now, so he's much more successful. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I have on Tarzan. I'm sure if trends continue, there's at least six more six Tarzan more. <laughs> books in here. It's probably like the Disney animated one. But I am excited to get to number 48. Just talking about the movie. Yeah. Fantastic Four, number one. Which is kind of crazy that they didn't start out in like a secondary type book. Yeah, so they say that, you know, Fantastic Four is what kind of uh, steamrolled Marvel and getting them going because it became a very, very popular book. Which is crazy because when you think about it, and it states it pretty clearly in this book, a lot of the – nothing super original in the Fantastic Four in the sense of Mr. Fantastic is just Plastic Man or Elongated Man, which I'm pretty sure both came out before this book. Yes. Human Torch is literally just the – golden age human torch yeah but instead of being a robot he's just a guy yeah i i actually just recently found out about that, that he there was, used that to be there a was robot? two different yeah and then there was two different human torches yeah. yeah so then uh i love in this article that they just say susan storm is just um jackie jackie oh, kennedy yeah with uh blonde hair <laughs> and then the thing they basically say is just a leftover thing from the bigfoot monster era of Marvel Comics. Like, everything from Fantastic Four was just them repurposing stuff into, like, a better way. Yeah. Like, they had... They brought the Hulk back. They brought a bunch of villains back. They brought Doom back. I think... I didn't realize Doom was kind of based off of... um, Or, not Doom. Vice versa. Vader. Vader Vader, based off of Doom. Yeah, and when you hear that out loud, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But... They do a really good job to me of not having it be, like, super spot on. Yeah. But, yeah, it is. I mean, like, oh, shit, he's even got a cape and everything. Yeah, I feel like if I do a Venn diagram, there's a fuck ton of stuff in the middle that I'm like, oh, yep. Because George Lucas, ultra not that creative on that front of stuff. Yeah, but what he is good at is. um, Repurposing. And and hiding, you know, the the reference, you know. You got to look for it. Because, like, I never knew that. And I'm a huge Star Wars and Fantastic Four fan. That's what I'm saying. It's, It's weird things like that that I think he was able to skew. But that just shows how much importance Fantastic Four has 
on pop culture in general. Because yeah. even for as little, what, they've had three horrible movies, or four horrible movies. One I don't even think ever got released. Right. And then they're finally, hopefully, going to get a real rendition of like what they should be. But it's a lot of story to unpack. Because creating the dynamic, it was the first time they had like that family hero dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, they all live together at the Baxter building. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's, you know, Superman had, like, the Kents and whatnot, but it wasn't the same way as they're all kind of in it together. They're all main characters. They're friends and family. Yeah. Because you have Ben there. You have, like, Johnny, which, honestly, they could have just, like, been like, oh, fuck you guys. You're the only two that are married. We can yeah. just get out of here. Well, Johnny and Sewer Sue, sisters. Uh, yeah, our brother then, and sister. Yeah, and the, but then Reed Richards and Sue Storm don't get married until... Really? Later on. Yeah, they get married. It's it's a big issue. I have it, actually. It's a classic Kirby. I love that back in the day, they were like, yeah, we're going to do a sick marriage issue it for was the a, comic. I think it was like a... Um like not a like a giant size like 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 a an special annual. an annual it was an annual yes yeah so uh, yeah I mean everyone's in it like like X Men the X Men are in it yeah. Spider Man's in it it's great because they do the same thing with Spider Man and Mary Jane yeah oh that was huge yeah the they they've done Batman's gotten married all these people get married in comics and I feel like it was all in the same time period that they were like I bet kids growing up are gonna love wedding planning that annual is big though it's probably gonna be on this countdown but um. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting back to the, the the four characters, I mean, they're so different, but there's something about that dynamic about them all being so different and having all these very specific, different powers. It just works. Well, and I think, too, it was nice because all these characters have evolved so much. I've never read the first issue, but I would like to just to see. I know where current issues Fantastic Four are at and how just how deep a lot of these personalities go for them. Yeah. And it's like... Reed Richards being like one of the leading people in like the Illuminati of like yeah. Marvel comics and stuff and all the shit they've gone through. Now they have like fucking kids in there. There's like Franklin and Valeria Richards. Oh. I think Franklin Richards is one of the most powerful beings in like all Marvel comics at this point. No shit. Yeah. So it's like it's crazy to think that this one comic kind of spawned, yeah, the beginning of Marvel becoming what they were today. It really did, and I have read this issue. The Mole Man is the big villain Mole. in this one. He lives underground. He's and dope. He's got six sunglasses. He's got those crazy sunglasses. Yeah, so cool. Crazy he was in sunglasses. The, was it the purple and green fit that he yeah, had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool book. Um, but I wanted to say, you know, the story behind this book, I'm pretty sure it was Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, kind of the two of those together that kind of kept Stan Lee at Marvel because he, I, the, the story, as the story goes, I've heard him tell this story in interviews that he was ready to leave Marvel. He just had enough writing funny books and he wanted to yeah. move on. So his wife was the one that said, you know what, before you leave, why don't you write some books about some characters and stories that you actually care about and that you think is kind of cool, you know, put your own spin on it. And so he did. And he came up with Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. And yeah. And I think honestly, it's such a natural progression that a lot of those books just didn't have any depth or realism to them where, you know, Superman's from outer space. Bruce Wayne's a millionaire. Spider-Man is a fucking shitty kid in high school. Yeah. They were complicated characters with, with problems, with problems that other people face as well, that, you know, just because you have spider strength doesn't mean you can talk to a girl. Yes. You know what I mean? So like having those real life issues definitely helped turn Marvel into something that was more storytelling based. And I think made DC kind of change their direction a little bit Yeah, to be like, yeah, let's start giving these people more to do than yeah. just like 
fight a fucking goofy ass dude like the quilt king like just <laughs> dumb characters that it's just one-off things um all right you want to jump into anything left on fantastic four no i think that covers it for sure all right let's jump into number 47 another classic i think we we already did looney tunes on here there was, a yeah. minute ago they were deep in the 90s walt disney obviously kicking that warner brothers ass again uh we got donald duck as number 47 honestly i'm surprised this wasn't a little bit further back oh yeah but it just kind of shows disney's a superpower it's like disney's almost its own country i feel like oh yeah that even back then they were mad early in the game of making these things this came out in 1938 i mean it's worth five thousand dollars now but yeah it's just fucking Pantsless Donald Duck. He doesn't look anything like Donald Duck I think of now, though. Yeah, he looks a lot different. He Longer looks like bill. a goose. He looks yeah more goose-like, it's, a swan-like neck. Yeah, it's Gary Goose, really. It's not even a real Donald Duck on here. So, quick Donald Duck story, just because I just saw this today. This one guy I follow on Instagram... Uh, shout out TV Dad. Um, he po- he makes clothing, but he also likes to post like just still shots of old cartoons, a lot of different okay. cartoons and stuff like that. And it'll just be like a single shot from a specific cartoon. And this one was a Donald Duck cartoon, and the the panel was just him with a gun to his head. Yeah, and it was flagged by Instagram, and it was removed. And he was like, "This is so stupid." Like that. <laughs> there a lot of that Disney shit has super, especially Donald Duck was. I almost feel like in the beginning they were trying to make Donald Duck like the big star because you have all those propaganda movies and shit. Because I think that's where Donald Duck was doing some wild shit. Was it Donald or Daffy? Donald. Donald? Daffy Duck is Looney Tunes. Right. Donald Duck is Disney. And right. Donald Duck was the one that joined like the military and was oh, like I fighting do remember Nazis yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. And then he was like smoking weed and well, getting like. There were some. There was a there is a Daffy Duck cartoon where he like fights Hitler. I've seen. Oh, it. Oh, there's also I, a Daffy I, Duck one. I've seen it. Yeah. Very weird that the duck was picked for like by both sides by Warner Brothers and Disney to be like, yeah, we better have a duck in here. We better. And a bla- <laughs> who's ever even seen a black duck? I don't know. Daffy Duck doesn't look duck like. I'm much more of a Daffy fan though, big time. Oh yeah. Donald, I mean, Donald's kind of obnoxious. Looney Tunes cartoons in general way better yeah i never considered disney disney's cartoon movies yes not yeah they're they're they're, the um just tv show stuff wasn't as good no no and i feel like i don't like i hardly even remember any of that yeah there's there's not much to them but it was the springboard for looney tunes oh a thousand percent but it's like yeah i mean this is on here at 47 just because it is disney disney's gonna hit on the list i have a strong feeling this might be the last of the disney we see yeah, fine with me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We're talking comic books, people. That's what I'm saying. Even though they own Marvel now. <laughs> yeah, now they are technically comic books, but uh, that's still all right. So we're going to jump into number 46. We have four-color comic series, number one, a.k.a. the first of Dick Tracy. Uh, you a Dick Tracy fan? Not really. I appreciate it because it's a very old comic. You know, even before this book came out, they were saying it was a strip comic yeah. that was in newspapers and stuff like this- that. This one was the one that it was like 1920s, and the only people anyone fucked with was like Popeye and Dick Tracy. Yeah, which is just very odd to me now because it's like Popeye is such a goof ass character, and then Dick. Tr- First off, yellow trench coat, 
stupid as fuck. <laughs> I feel like no one was ever actually wore a yellow trench coat. And, and it's like banana yellow, too. Yeah. It's, <laughs> have you seen the movie with... Uh, I actually have not. I've seen parts of it. I know Madonna's in it. Yeah, Madonna's in it. Al Pacino's in it. Yeah, yeah, Everyone's yeah. just wearing the shittiest, goofiest makeup. But that was cool. They tried to make it look like a comic book, like, big time. They, It was, like, a really... It's like if they made a fan film of Sin City, and they didn't have any of the filters. It's what it kind of <laughs> looked like. So you were just like, yeah, this looks dumb yeah. as fuck. And you have, like, the campiness that, like, you know, Schumacher did with the, the Batman movies. But it's, like, times ten. Like, all the makeup they put on the villains, like, Flat Top. And oh, yeah. Who are the, it's I know so... Flat Top's the one villain. Who are the... Uh, the there's, like, Prune Face, prune face. Flat Top, fucking, you know, Flat Tire. Just <laughs> Everyone's got a dumb nickname. And their faces are all just weird. Everyone's all contorted. They just... It seemed like they were like, hey, what's he supposed to look like? And they're like, just put prosthetics somewhere on his face, and then we're going to, his potato nose. Yeah. He grew up a little too close to the uh, the power plant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the movie is fucking insane, though, because I'm pretty sure it's just Dick Tracy stealing a kid and then trying to kill yeah, Al Pacino It, it was kind of popular. It made a little bit of money. Now, the toys from that movie made a lot. The toys? They're, like, super collectible. Yeah. See, I remember... That's I never like, had any of them, but like they're from what I'm told, like I've seen like toy collector shows and stuff like that. People go nuts for them. My cousin used to have all that fucking shit in his basement. Did he really? Dude, they had like now that I look back, there's probably just thousands of dollars in that basement probably. that are all gone now that I'm like, because that's where I learned about comics. Honestly, one of the first times was playing with toys and being like, whoa, what's this character? And at the time, my co- when your cousin's, you know. You're five, and he's fucking nine or ten. It's like all the toys he has are just the coolest things. So you're like, whoa, what's Mr. Sinister? And he's like, he's a badass who'd kill you. And I'm like, (laughs) whoa, God. (laughs) I'm interested. (laughs) Tell me more. But yeah, Dick Tracy, I mean, he's a classic. He's the original Law & Order SVU dude. Yeah. I mean, he's just stopping crimes. This... He's a sleuth, but he's also like got that superhero vibe because he, you know, is it, he saves people. He's not just investigating. Yeah. He's the one that's gonna bring justice. It's the first propaganda to make cops cool again. They they tried even back then. But, they were like, "Come on, we can do this." But important to note, real quick before we move on, you know, so this was Four Color Comics Series One. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think they said they did sixty-eight of those. And then it became series two, and series two went for a long time. And that's the more people know uh, four color comics from the season from series, series two. two. And yeah, like, and I, I was reading on there that like the numbering's all messed up. Like it goes all the way up to like thirteen hundred. I don't even think uh, there are thirteen hundred of them. If there's one thing I've learned, it's no one has created more of a dumbass convoluted numbering system than all of comics. Yeah, this one though, I guess in particular, is bad. Was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, because a lot of times too, they just start changing names of things, and you're like. Is this something new? It happened to me with the Grant Morrison new X-Men run. Okay. And it fucking drove me crazy because I went into, shout out Carol and John's comics and cams. But I go in there and I was like, hey, can I get the first issue of like the new X-Men? And she was like, what is that? And I was like, (laughs) oh, it's the new X-Men. She was like, I mean, here's the first issue of X-Men. And it wasn't, it was the new one from, you know, the 90s. The 90s one, yeah. And I was like, Oh, this doesn't look the same at all. So which one were you looking for? Grant Morrison does a run that he basically retitled the book for a period, calling it The New X-Men, that bases on a storyline with Cassandra Nova, spoiler alert, Professor X's sister. Oh, yeah. And then it also goes through this uh, Quentin Quire run where this kid turns out to be like an Omega-level mutant, but they're all doing this fucking 
inhaler drug yeah, yeah. that increases. Dude, it's just sick because they're all wearing like oi boy fucking gear where it's just like <laughs> striped vests and shit. And they're all just trying to be like weird punkers and like fucking up this mutant school. And you're like, yeah, I bet someone would do this. Like there's dickhead kids, dickhead kids are always like, yeah, let me get steroids and be more of a dickhead. Oh, well, they, I mean, like, the whole the pleasure of being a kid is the whole, you know, you do things you're not supposed to. Well, that's... See what, you see how much you can get away with. That's the one side to me that, like, I love uh, X-Men stories, as a side note, that are just, like, based on the kids in the school doing, like, dumbass shit. Like, I love a New Mutants comic. Yeah. Because I'm like, what are these students doing? Because it's not... They act as if all of them are like, yeah, we all just go to training every day and we study really hard. It's like... No, dude, there's a kid somewhere who's like, yeah, I'm selling eighths, dude. It's mutant <laughs> weed. I grow it in my palms, and I'll fucking cut it right off. And like, you need it. <laughs> yeah, or like someone's like, oh, yeah, I got these pheromones that fucking trip you out. Like, there's definitely yeah, someone in It comes the, from my sweat. Yeah. yeah, think about that mutant that has that superpower who's like, dude, if you lick my hand, it's a 12-hour trip. Yeah. <laughs> I probably... Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, bu- buck. Is it like acid? So, mm. was it Grant, was it Grant Morrison? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a Grant when Morrison run. Um, I want to say in like the early 2000s. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Because it sounds, the story you're saying sounds really familiar. And I knew about Professor X's sister. It's sick because it gives a lot of the characters a new vibe, like a new kind of outlook on them. It's when Emma Frost also becomes a teacher at the Xavier Institute. Gotcha. So, that's when he, she starts her affair with. Uh, Cyclops, sexy that adulterous son of a gun. Um, all right, so we're gonna move on to forty-five. We got Jumbo Comics number one. Um, honestly, I have no fucking idea about Jumbo Comics. So this is like a variety book, right? Just with a bunch of different little funny stories. Yeah, that's definitely what it looks like. I'm guessing. Let's get a date on this bad boy. Oh, nineteen thirty-eight. Damn, we got artwork from Will Eisner on the cover. We got Jack Kirby working on this. Yeah. So this is like a sick minor leagues. Kind of like before these dudes all leveled up, this is where they were at. This was probably right before Kirby went to the war. Like right oh, the okay, time. yeah. It had to have been, yeah. Yeah, because this – so this was basically that pre-war comic that those dudes were working on. They all had to dip out, go to war, and then they all ended up coming back. The greatest generation. The greatest generation <laughs> of all time. Dude, that is... Who is that? Walter Cronkite? No, no. Uh, well, him, no, the one... Uh, Tom Brokaw always... Oh, yeah. Tom Brokaw, dude. Yeah. Dude, here's the thing. All those news anchors used to be up there on fucking assholes. Tom Brokaw, were you even in World War yeah. II? Well, they, they get him to do that. I think it's him. Maybe someone spoofs his voice on The Simpsons, as I mentioned in the first episode. There's going to be a lot of Simpsons references. But he's do- Tom Brokaw's doing a speech to all the World War II veterans, and he's just he's just jerking them off, you know, just stroking them. The- and Grandpa Simpson's like, keep it coming, Brokaw. <laughs> and then they all, like, dip out, and Abe, Abe Simpson's like, and he goes to Tom Brokaw, he goes, and when I come back, I want a foot foot rub. And he goes, yes, master. <laughs> dude, Tom Brokaw was just that dude who just, like, always wanted those guys to think he was cool. Yeah. And he just never got over the fact. He's like, they're all dead now, dude. None of them think you're cool. <laughs> and he's like, it's still the greatest. I'm writing a book. <laughs> Every fucking thrift store, there is one copy of The Greatest Generation, which, again, very gaudy. Ga- Tom Brokaw? Yeah, very gaudy title, dude. Oh, you're the greatest generation? Yeah. What about the generation that beat the Black Plague? Johnny, uh, uh, John Mulaney has a good bit about that. He did on his SNL monologue a, a few like a month ago. Oh, really? It's really funny. Yeah. Um, but so with this Jumbo Comics, um, there's a cool quote in here, though, I wanted to read from the author. It said that this was uh, 
This comic showcases some of the best and most colorful covers in the golden age of comics. So, I mean, this is something that people look for. You know, this is a sought-after book, more or less, as far as, it, you know, you got Eisner and Kirby involved. And it was, it was bright, it was colorful, and then it had a big infla- uh, influence on these Silver Age comics that were coming up. I was going to say as well, in a quick little read-over, I love that it just says, the time-honored truth about this book is sex sells. <laughs> and it's literally just a fat guy diving off a diving board no, as no. the main part of it. I read that. I thought I was talking about a different book in that. it was That was like the book that was their competition. What does it say? Oh, paired, uh, Parade of Pleasures. Yeah, so the, Whoa, dude. Surprise, yeah, what's, surprise. That was the book that sex sold. Damn. This one's kind of sexy. This dude's in a sexy little two-piece men's bathing nice suit, little, dude. Nice little number. He's got a little mustache on him. It looks like he gets... Uh, oh, he dives in the pool, hits his head, gets CT and dies. <laughs> That's the end of the story on that one. Classic story. Classic classic Kirby. I'm not a big variety books to me. Even nah. when they do multi-stories in like a regular comic, I just get, I want the whole thing. Yeah, Let me get a full story because it's like, even for having ADD, I want to know, like, I need a longer version of it. <laughs> a comic's already super short. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to number 44, though, with, boom, Amazing Spider-Man number one. <sighs> So, not the first appearance of Spider-Man. Obviously, Amazing Fantasy, right? Number 15. Number 15. Uh, Going to be the first actual appearance of Spider-Man. But this is the first of the Amazing Spider-Man series. Uh, famously featuring Fantastic Four. And I think it's against Chameleon? Yeah, Chame- it's the first appearance of Chameleon, yeah. Because at the time, wasn't Chameleon just like a dude who could wear disguises? Like, he wasn't... In this book, yes. Yeah, he's not even like that... He's just like a dude who had a couple different hats at home. <laughs> and they were like, fuck, we can't even find this guy. Right. Because <laughs> back then, if you stole something and switched hats, you were off scot-free. Yeah, or throw a pair of glasses. Yeah. yeah. Like back the then, people counts. were like, this guy's got glasses. The guy who killed my wife didn't have glasses. <laughs> it couldn't be. Th- he's not even wearing a hat. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, I fuck with Spider-Man. I mean, oh yeah, I think he's obviously... The biggest he I know for a fact he's the number one selling superhero. That's why they're always gonna be people bitch and complain about Spider Man movies always being in theaters. I mean, in our lifetime we've had what nine or seven movies now? Yeah. No, eight, I think. We're gonna have eight once we get no, no, so there's what we got the, the oh, three eight. Yeah, right. Yeah, we got, got the, into the Spider Verse. Oh, I didn't even count that one, but we got let's do it right now. We got three Toby Maguire's, got the two oh. Andrew Garfield ones, that's five, and then there's there's two uh, Tom, Holland. Tom Holland ones. Oh, yeah, and then the eighth would be... That, yeah. yeah. And then we're getting the ninth Spider-verse. with the third ones, obviously. Third one's on the way. Very excited for that. But speaking of Into the Spider-Verse, if you guys haven't seen it on Netflix, it's terrific. Oh, I, I held off for a while, but it's so good. I think that's one of the movies I show people who aren't even that into comics and are like, oh, this is just a really good movie. It was fun. I mean, I, it was so visually pleasing. I did have a hard time. I was watching it, like, kind of stone, and the animation, I was just staring at it for way too long, I think. Yeah. And it just starts to, like, really play, like, mind games sometimes. And now you have astigmatism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't see and have to wear fake sunglasses. <laughs> but, uh, so I have read this book. It's a great book. So what's interesting about this, so this is adds to the complexity of Peter Parker we were talking about yeah. earlier. He's a, a real teenager with real problems. Yeah. And uh, one of those like problems that uh, <laughs> that appears a lot is money, you know, because he's got to help support Aunt May and this and that. You know, in the early books, even Amazing Fantasy 15, he's trying to earn money 
as Spider-Man, using his powers, trying to kind of, lack of a better word, exploit You know what would have been a sick, uh, like, scene from a Spider-Man thing was just him with, like, a bucket outside, just, like, doing the drums or doing, like, a couple flips <laughs> to try and get money in New York like City. Like, in the subway busting? Yeah, in the subway, yeah. just busting out flips nonstop <laughs> for people to give him cash. But, so, it, and that trend continues in this book. Uh, he... Actually, go, the reason Fantastic Four is in the book, he goes to the Baxter building and basically tries out for the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, because doesn't he have to Without wear... their approval. <laughs> doesn't no, he have, no, like... They a, they that's not the Baghead one, is it? Oh, no. We, it might be. Where I'm, he puts a bag over his head so no one knows who he is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... It all kind of... It all starts to mesh together, obviously, but I'm pretty sure that this is this book. He goes in the building, like, who is this guy? And then they start seeing what he can do, and they're like, wow, this guy's pretty good. He's like, so can I be on your team? And they're like, hey, idiot, it's the Fantastic Four. Not yeah, dude, we're not gonna five. change the name for you. Pretty guy. much, that was pretty much. The, they, they were honestly like, "Well, yeah, like we'd let you in, but it's called the Fantastic Four." <laughs> Listen, we just got all these uh, uniforms made, and to find a tailor that does a stretchy <laughs> suit, a fire suit, and an invisible suit, it's a lot of work, dude. Yeah, we're not we gonna change, change the four this. to a five. I mean, that's like near impossible. Listen, if one of us dies. We're, you're definitely in. And honestly, we do a lot of time travel. We're in the negative zone all the time. Someone could die. You could get in on the team, but you're going to be a reserve player. Yeah. I love that. Also, why doesn't Spider-Man just ask the Fantastic Four for money? Um, Aren't they rich? <laughs> well, you know, all of Reed Richards' money's tied up in his uh, negative In, like, zone. science? Yeah, science. You know, it's, Is uh, Reed Richards kind of... Isn't he kind of an asshole to Sue Storm, too? Dude, yeah. Like, it's bad. But that just that's more so just, like... But he's not the, like, all male writers of the of these Silver Age uh, Fantastic Four is just degrading. Like, shut up, Sue. Go make me a casserole. Like, it's well, not that bad, but it's pretty bad. I mean, dude, the Hank Pym is straight up just, like, beating the shit out of uh, <laughs> Janet Van Dyne for sure. Oof. So that one's pretty bad. But, yeah, I can only imagine some of the lines are like, Sue, this is a bank. No place for a woman. <laughs> you need my name on that check, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sue, here's your money for the week. $20 <laughs> out of our $6 million we've made. <laughs> now plant me one on the cheek. Babe. Yeah. Now go make us some food. <laughs> go make us some milk steaks. Um, so Spider-Man is just basically straight up brawling with Chameleon? Uh, yeah, there's something. he there, He's like kind of tracking him down, but he can't find him because he's got all these hats. They don't know which one he is, who which, he is. Who the fuck is he? The Chameleon's kind of an underrated... Uh, Spider-Man villain, I think. Yeah, he's a cool one. But he's never gets. I mean, he was in the cartoon, but and then it's like, and then you have like the extreme side of it with like Hush from the Batman. Yeah, where he's literally just wearing people's faces. Yeah, it's <laughs> different trick. I mean, I think with uh, Mystique in the Marvel universe, they're kind of like, damn, Chameleon. Oh, Mystique. Yeah, I forgot you, about that. You do basically the same thing, except you're not a hot blue lady. You're just a weird looking guy with like a white mask now. Yeah. But now that will not be, I can promise you, this will not be the last time we see Fantastic Four or Spider-Man appear on this countdown. Ooh, I'm interested to see. Oh, we're getting, well, Amazing, well, for spoiler alert, Amazing Fantasy number 15 is on the cover of this book that we've been going over. <laughs> so I bet it's pretty high. It's probably top five. I'm going to guess. I'm going to get. it was number 99. But uh, there there will be more Fantastic Four ones because there's a run by uh, Jack Kirby that I have on one of those Marvel Epic collections. That's just really good. It's got... It's like, you know, first appearance of the Watcher and Silver Surfer and Galactus. So it's kind of that, like, and then right after, the Bible. Yeah, of... and then right, right after those three books, um, there's an awesome book where uh, the thing 
is kind of like goes rogue, or there's a there's a guy in, posing as the thing. He somehow, yeah, somehow is able oh, to. Oh, it's uh, Tobias Bluth. Yeah. From... Oh no. <laughs> it's Tobias Bluth from Arrested you Development. Oh yeah, yeah, it was him. No, 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 it is a guy. I don't even know if he has a name in the book, but he somehow develops some chemical or uh, serum where he turns into the rock monster, the thing, and. I think he changes Ben Grimm back, but then like he goes to the Baxter building and like wants to kill Reed Richards for some reason, but then decides not to. He actually sacrifices himself, and it's a really good book. I guarantee it'll show up. I was a, who won? If you could take any power from one of the people in Fantastic Four, who's you? Human taking? Torch, hands down. I mean the fact. I mean like I've always wanted to fly. Like that's always been the big thing, and just the fact that he can fly. So I mean, he, can he shoot like? Does he ever shoot like fireballs out of his? Oh, hands? I think he can shoot some fire, dude. I mean. I feel, cool. He definitely can't because otherwise he'd be fucking useless if he's just on fire. Like he's, it's not like he's just touching people and like burning them. <laughs> he's definitely got to be able to shoot fire. No, but he's cool. I mean, yeah, he like he can go into space too. Like he can fly in like uh, like like Superman. Like That's he can like, breathe. Space. Here, how does that work? Because there's no oxygen in space because of the fire. Yeah, how's his fire staying? I don't know. I just feel like he has. Am I? I might be wrong. I feel like he definitely has. I have no idea. I mean. I would go read Richards. Yeah, you like the. I'll, I'd rather just like stretch about, dude. I feel like you can do a lot I of things. I can grab this can of beer that's in the other room. Um, yeah, I'm like all. It'd just be nice. You can look at a lot of things. I don't want to. Invisible seems creepy. Very, I never want to pick. So like, creepy. if you pick invisible, then everyone automatically is like, dude, keep an eye on this guy. Because that's a. <laughs> either you're trying to be like. That's a real criminal power to have. It, it, it's such a cerebral topic that always comes up in different stories, the whole being invisible thing. Like like Hollow Man, you got creepy. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is just like a sexual predator, basically, in that oh, movie. Oh, 100. And then... goes crazy and wants to kill everybody. Yeah, there's. it's always... The invisible man always gets seen slightly through mist while he's walking in of someone <laughs> showering. That's yes, every invisible every person movie. Because they just did a new... Uh, when they were trying to reboot the uh the dark world or whatever with like the mummy and the invisible man and fucking dracula and shit they were trying to redo all like the classic horror movies yeah uh, oh i remember that yeah the wolfman with benicio del toro is supposed to be good i never saw it though. i'm not yeah there's some good cgi in there where he turns I, into the wolfman so. see the and all those stories to me they just get kind of bland and like or they just try to do too much with it yeah it's, oh my god remember that aaron eckhart i frankenstein oh <laughs> like dude that I movie lost sure, like 50 million dollars i made frankenstein no money. i'm pretty sure was an image comic oh yeah it was, it was definitely oh, it was a comic, comic okay from someone that's cool but yeah i invisible <laughs> man or invisible anyone power very weird. And no one wants to be the thing. Because now you just weigh yeah, like... Yeah, he doesn't even want to be the thing in half the books. <laughs> no, because here's... One, you weigh like, what, a ton, if not more? You can't walk in anywhere with wood floors. No. Like, you got to really question about where you're at. It's not ideal. Yeah, no one wants to be the thing. Like I said, even the thing doesn't want to be the thing. But, it, I mean, he's just super strong. But uh, real quick, I'm going to wrap up because we're almost yeah. out of time. I just... Uh, talking about invisible characters i just watched an aqua teen hunger force episode with, with you ever seen the one with the genie yes but he's genie genie and he, and yeah he, like he just they keep granting wishes but he just keeps turning them all invisible <laughs> I, <laughs> by the end of the episode they're all just invisible they don't know where each other are i is aqua teen still going no no it's it stopped a while ago but it had a really nice run i was gonna say because i feel like i do miss classic uh adult swim it's oh we could have a whole episode on Adult Swim yeah I'm a big big Adult Swim fan I'm actually wearing a pin right now uh, it's Brad oh. from Space Ghost rocking Classic. the MF Doom mask R R I P Doom and I will say R I P Doom I am starting to believe Plus that he might <laughs> actually be gone guys so it's sinking in I had 
referenced in our last episode. Yeah, listen to the previous episodes to know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, that's going to be it for today, oh, though. We got little Lulu. We can do little Lulu we'll real do, quick. We're gonna do It'll l- take two seconds. We're going to do one <laughs> last quick one. Sean's in for it. I'm in. We're doing number 43, so that way we can start next week on oh, some true classics. Number 43 is going to be, again, four color, number 47, Lil Lulu. 74. 74. Sorry, not seven. Important to note because, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, After 64, they switch over to that second exactly. version of it. Sees our uh, series two of four color comics. So this is Margie's Little Lulu. I know the name. I don't know anything about her. I don't know why she doesn't have a mouth. What the fuck's <laughs> up with that? Her dog's eating her candy. She's holding candy all recklessly on the cover here. So I'll this Marge, her. uh, what's her last name? Marge. Uh... Uh, Marjorie Henderson Buell. Yeah. So she another created... three name banger. That's dude. right. <laughs> she created the character and then sold it, um, and obviously it obviously became very popular. It kind of reminds me of a weird like Japanese anime type thing almost. Yeah, like it could vibe. give me like almost like a little Hello Kitty vibes <laughs> of the just no a... mouth thing. Yeah. Yeah. The no mouth, the eyes. Like I could definitely see. Honestly, I could see this being a huge influence on stuff like that, where I don't necessarily think about those things of like, dude, because people in Japan love fucking classic Americana shit. Yeah, that's actually a good, so good if point. A little, you know, Marjorie's Lil Lulu. I'm sure there's a lot of basis on that. Because doesn't fucking Hello Kitty just have like dull black eyes as well? Yeah. I'm saying, I think there's a connection here. Yeah, this, the simplicity of it is yeah, big. It's, yeah, I think it's the simplicity and the cuteness of it. Because this is like. It's just a super like cute little drawing that looks like someone made, and I'm sure they're basic ass stories where it's like, Lil Lulu got ten cents. She walks down to get candy, and then the dog eats the fucking candy, <laughs> and then she learns a lesson. Well, it's funny they talk. There are some like some. What do they say? Like, say like something about like the mythos, the mythological type uh, implications of it. Like it does get. Kind of, I don't want to say deep, but there's like some characters within characters almost. Damn. L- what is yeah? What's the quote there about it being like? mystical or something let's see was popular with readers it's like near the bottom uh lulu became a complex inventive always entertaining and enterprising young girl who usually got the best of the boys in quote (laughs) whenever they decided to cross her path she developed her own uh internal mythology of characters and in her storytelling mode as alvin's Older friend introduces some of the best children's comic stories. Oh, so she kind of like, these are stories with, she's basically a crazy person. <laughs> it's all in her head. Oh, <laughs> dude, these Not might all be of them, sick. But. So I actually used to, there was a little Lulu TV show on, I think it was like HBO Kids or something. Really? I had all the cable channels back in yeah, the day. Okay. Um, and it was actually. Soft flex. I would watch it. Yeah, right. No, no big deal. All the movie channels. Bro. I had all the movie channels as a kid. And it was like so unnecessary too. It'd be like HBO and then HBO West, so you could watch the same movie three hours later. I'm not even. Oh, ki- I'm not even kidding. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned about HBO, it's really sick for about the first like couple months you have it, and then you realize that most of the day is just the same movies getting played over and over for a month, and then yeah. they change them, and yeah. then you're like, oh, you know what? I don't want to watch any of these movies. It seems right. Like. <laughs> and HBO Kids had some shows like Little Lulu, and I actually watched it. it had a Little good. Lulu show. Yeah, it was a cartoon. I watched it. I thought it was pretty funny. And then it, I think HBO Kids also had that like Harold and the Purple Crayon cartoon and stuff like that. Damn, I never, I was never hip to HBO Kids. Honestly, like I need to look up some of these. Yeah, they had some bangers on there. <laughs> Interesting. Well, honestly, I'm saying Hello Kitty stole Little Lulu's vibe, and Little Lulu just developed, you know, some kind of 
complex internal mythology, <laughs> which sounds like some schizophrenic type shit. Pretty much. And just made up stories. So I fuck with it. I'm going to give this hey, one. Little Lulu, I love you, you just the same. <laughs> that's from the song. Is that the, that's the intro song? Yeah, that's the song, yeah. Damn. <laughs> now I need to watch. Um, all right. So we are going to end off there. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you're following Threads and Dreads on Inst- or Threads and Dreads Pod on Instagram. Um, let us know if you want to hear about anything else. We're gonna have more shows coming to you always, and hopefully a Patreon coming to you very soon. Here, peace. <laughs>